The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, Houston. Con's prices are invincible. That means prices have been cut low, as in amazingly low, as in won't be beat. In fact, we're backing it up with our low price guarantee. Invincible prices on appliances, furniture, electronics, mattresses, and more. Not invincible enough for you? How about free next day delivery on appliances, TVs, and mattresses? And payment options for everyone, whether you have good credit or building. Visit Cons today and find out what invincible feels like. morning, good afternoon, or good evening, depending on where and when you might view this podcast. My name is Thomas Island, and I'm on the autism spectrum, and I am a certified human potential coach, a Toastmasters international accredited speaker, and diversity, equity, and inclusion consultant. I'm interested in sharing with you a little bit today about love, marriage, and relationships. Here with me today is my fiance, Rosetta Walker, the queen of inspiration. Rosetta, tell us a little bit about what you do, who you are, and what, how you make the world a better place. How I make the world a better place is by using my God-given talents. I believe in bringing a positive message to people. I'm the owner of my own record company, which allows me to do it through music, also through writing, which I have a couple of books that's out as well as coaching and counseling people to help them to be a better them, of course. It's so nice to have you on the show here today. And you mentioned you have a book, and this looks like Les Brown on the cover. He's a pretty impressive speaker. Why don't you tell us a bit about your book? Yeah, absolutely. This book is entitled Mission Unstoppable, and it is included with 31 totally inspiring leaders, Dr. George Frazier and, yes, Les Brown, we all came together to do this book, and it's talking about failures in life because we all have fallen short in some type of area. We've been through things, things that some things we had no control over. However, this book talks about how you can get past those things, overcome your failures in life, and it turn into blessings. There are entrepreneurs in this book, and people that's been through a whole lot, but yet they've come out to be very successful individuals. That's so wonderful. I'm really happy to hear that you are sharing your story and other people are sharing their story too so they can really bring out the best in people. I too do that with my book titled Come to Life, Your Guide to Self-Discovery. When I was young, I had a big discovery that I can't wait for life to come to me. It's up to me to come to life. That's why I wrote this book with my mother, Emily. She translated into Spanish as well. So we, Rosetta and I consider ourselves a little bit of a a power couple, if you will, because we're both out there looking to bring out the best in people, see that they have the power to live the life they want. And there's going to be struggles. There's going to be trials and tribulations, but also triumphs out there. And when it comes to romance and relationships, particularly in the autism community, it can be a bit of a challenge finding and keeping 
relationship. And that's something that we're going to be discussing at great length today. And Rosetta, why don't you tell us the story of uh, how we met? You, you tell it so well. Okay. It was a day I did not want to go anywhere, and I got an email from my agent to come to a summit. Well, actually, the email had been sitting there for a couple of days. For some reason, I didn't see it. And as I look at the date, I had to go that night because the next day I had another event to attend. It was an Oscar viewing party. So that had to be the night. I had planned not to go anywhere and just relax and However, that was not going to be the deal. You cannot call your agent or message your agent back and say, oh, thank you very much for the invite, but I decline. That's not going to fly. We all know that. So I got dressed and decided I'm not in the mood for wearing my CEO clothes. I just want to be me. I was in the queen of inspiration mode. I got there, and you can take the story from here. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I, too, was at this particular summit and went there to network, build my brand, and see who I might be able to meet. And across the room, I saw a woman in a red dress. And even from a distance, she looked like a very interesting person. I knew I wanted to talk to her. So I went over to her, and I was so entranced, if you will, by the look in her eyes, how she talked to me. She put her hand on my shoulder. We got to talking, and it just like the stars aligned. We'd made an instant connection, and I knew I wanted to get, this, get to know this person better, and she wanted to get to know me better. And we proceeded to exchange contact information. We had a picture taken together, and we have kept in touch over the last four years. This was four years ago that we met, mm-hmm. and it's interesting because when it comes to social opportunities, going out to parties or gatherings or places, you don't really think about going to And this is something I heard from a fellow networker of mine up in Santa Clarita where I live. The magic happens at the party you did not want to go to. I'll say that again. The magic happens at the party you did not want to go to. So particularly in this time of COVID and isolation where people are kind of feeling a little anxious or worried about what's out there or venturing out of their comfort zone, I'm here to tell you that the person you're meant to be with is out there and you have to be the one to pursue them. Go to where the action is, see who's out there. You never know what you might find. I wasn't looking for a girlfriend or a relationship at the time in particular, but lo and behold, I go to this networking event, and Rosetta goes to this networking event, and we meet, and the rest yeah. is history. Yeah, that's absolutely correct. And you're right about that. At the time you don't feel like doing something, you have to press forward. And that's something I definitely have learned, learned over the years. Every time it's something I don't want to do, I usually end up meeting mm-hmm. someone that's very helpful in my career. But in this case, unexpectedly, I met the man of my dreams. Mm-hmm. So just think I almost said no. <laughs> almost said no almost. to that event yes. and ultimately no to this relationship had she not gone. I know. Had you not gone. Oh. And, you know, speaking of that, talking about relationships on and off the spectrum, we were talking about the percentage of people that's in a relationship or won't even get to the point of being married when it comes to being on the spectrum. Indeed. Want to talk about that a bit? And love and relationships are a complex topic, whether you're on the autism spectrum or not. And when you get to know a new person, when you really want to take your relationship with somebody to the next level or get out of your comfort zone to where you're going to get married, have children, it's not always easy. And I think there was a study out of Canada that said about 91% of people with autism are not married 
or will not get married. And there could be uh, several reasons for that being that they aren't sure if they're going to find love or keep love. Sometimes even family members will not believe in their children's ability to love or find love. And speaking from personal experience on that, I was told at a young age that I would only be successful in a relationship if the woman or my partner was also on the autism spectrum. Mm -hmm. And I did go on to date women on and off the autism spectrum. Those relationships ultimately didn't work out. But I did find someone, and mind you, Rosetta is not on the autism spectrum, and yet she and I are making connections. We are building a life together, finding we have things in common and things we can both improve upon. And I think that's part of our relationship is finding out how you can bring out the best in each other. Because I think too many people enter relationships looking to change the other person or not really seeing their flaws or kind of overlooking their flaws or maybe looking too much at their flaws. But nobody is perfect, as I've come to find out. And as we grow together, that's another key component of relationships is coming together and growing together. And that's absolutely true. And I've... What I've learned from being in a relationship with you, first of all, I had to do all the type of studying I could think of to find out more about autism because I wanted to be able to connect with Tom more. The thing I can tell anyone is that you need to have patience and be understanding because having that patience and understanding and unconditional love, that's going to help you to get through this relationship and even take it to the level of marriage because I believe that that number can be shattered. We can shatter the ceiling and Mm -hmm. get that percentage, change that percentage, because it Mm -hmm. doesn't have to be what it is at this point. And I think the world needs more patience and understanding nowadays, Whether again, whether you're in the autism community or not, because we hope things will go one way, we think it might get better, or sometimes we just abandon ship. At the first sign of trouble, you just get out. But relationships are about staying in the fight, keep battling it out, come to an understanding while exercising patience and having and appreciating each other mm-hmm. and what both are bringing to the table so that you can have the best relationship for the both of you. That's right. And it's been times in our relationship, especially at the point of getting to know one another, as some you always call it, getting emotionally naked. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm a shy person, even though I'm an entertainer, I know. <laughs> However, when it comes to my personal life, I can be very withdrawn and and very shy. So I have to get to know the person. But Tom's the type of man, so gentle and so patient even with me, that he totally drew me out of my shell. And I was able to share things with him that I never shared with anyone before, with any other man. So that's the reason why I'm saying it's very important that Mm -hmm. you both can come to one another. He shares things with me. And that's what you're going to have to be able to do. Don't hide from one another. And I know that people on the autism spectrum, they tend to, they do want relationships. Mm-hmm. There seems to be some stigma or stereotype in society that they want to be alone or they don't want friends or they don't mm-hmm. want love, but nothing could be further from the truth. They do want to form those relationships, have someone to love and share their life mm-hmm. with. Granted, it's not always easy, but it is wanted out there. And I also want to really emphasize how much my fiance encourages me to be better because I think when we start to think we're okay or we know everything when someone else comes along in our life to share with us or show us that we could do more than we think we're capable of and again speaking from personal experience after I put on the COVID-19 pounds over the course of the pandemic I wanted to lose that weight and Mm -hmm. I took up 
Ironman triathlons. For anybody who's heard of this race or hasn't heard of this race, it's 2.4 miles of swimming, 112 miles of biking, and 26.2 miles of running back to back to back in under 17 hours. And I was telling Rosetta about my journey and my training and even texting her when I'm biking in the middle of the night training so that she know, knows that I'm okay. But even on race day, she tells me, you, know, you have to do it in 17 hours. Well, let's see if you can do it in under 16 hours. And I thought about that in the back of my head as I was out there racing. And ladies and gentlemen, six and a half months ago in Cambridge, Maryland, I finished my very first Ironman triathlon in under 16 hours. Because I was thinking about what Rosetta told me and how I can be stronger, keep pushing forward, and that it's the ultimate test of endurance in Ironman triathlon. And again, the queen of inspiration here, bringing out the best in me and I also wanting an extraordinary life for myself. I decided to file for a Guinness World Record and I got it. This is Against world record confirming that I am the oldest person with autism in the world to finish a full Ironman. So the queen of inspiration is inspiring me to be my best self, leave my mark on the world, and show other people that they too can be something bigger and greater than themselves. Mm -hmm. All because of the relationship we have and continue to this day. We continue to shatter ceilings, break boundaries, or barriers even break barriers yeah and that goes back to being supportive of one mm -hmm. another it's very important that you support support your spouse your loved one and what they're doing when you're in a relationship it's not about me myself and i it's a team we mm -hmm. see ourselves as a unit i support him he supports me and we work together that kind of way when, and it goes to also to talk about being open and honest with one another. If I don't talk about my hopes, my dreams, my ambitions, then how is he supposed to know? Mm -hmm. and, and if you don't put it out there, if you keep it to yourself or you think, oh, people aren't going to believe me or they're going to say that's nonsense, then we don't speak up. And I, uh, I work with the Ed Asner Family Center in Reseda, California, where I teach dating, sex ed, and job skills. And I think sometimes people don't dare to dream big. Like the other day I had a, a participant who said she wanted to be a makeup artist for Britney Spears, no less. She wanted to be a makeup artist for Britney Spears. And I believe that she can be a makeup artist. She might meet Britney Spears one day. And letting people know the reality of their situation and understand that it's up to them to take the courses, undergo the training, practice, get the experience they need to get where they want to be. Mm -hmm. So... Rather than dismiss people's dreams, write them off as nonsense or that they're not capable, see where a way can be found. And again, I can speak from experience on this. Before I do what I do today, I wanted to be George Lucas's accountant because I love Star Wars and I'm good with numbers. And my parents let me know that if I wanted to be George Lucas's accountant, I have to pass complex tests, I have to go to college, I have to take courses, I have to have experience in the entertainment industry. And... I decided, all right, challenge accepted. And I went on to graduate with a bachelor's degree in accounting and get my CPA license and worked for Disney right out of college. And Disney actually acquired Lucasfilm after I left the company. So in a way, retroactively and indirectly, I was George Lucas's accountant. But the point is, our young people need to, A, be allowed to dream and B, be supported in those dreams. Mm -hmm. 
show them the reality of the situation while also encouraging them to pursue those dreams. Because I think there are too many families, parents, caregivers who don't support the dreams of young people on the autism spectrum. And that's why they're sitting back at home playing video Mm -hmm. games and wasting their lives away because people have told them they can't do something. And I can remember being told of things I couldn't do. Mm -hmm. And I can remember being 10 years old where I wrote my first song and also poetry. I have a poetry book right here that's talking about love, and it's also one of our topics, and this is love. Love is in the air, and it talks about love and different variations of love. Love between a mother and father, sister and brother, family love, love of things, different variations of love. When I started writing poetry as a child, I looked around, wasn't too many people in my neighborhood or area that did that. So I felt like, you know, can I really do this? And also I used to stutter. I couldn't even complete a sentence. And I'm from a big family, seven seven girls, three boys, that's 10 of us. And for me to be able to complete a sentence and everybody is talking, I couldn't even get it done because they're talking over top of me and I'm already studying, so da-da-da-da-da. By the time I got it out, it was already passed. So I thought, how could someone like me grow up to be a best-selling author that I am today? Didn't think that would be possible. To be a songwriter and singer, didn't think that would be possible. And also to be a motivational speaker. How could any of those things happen when I couldn't complete a sentence? Mm-hmm. But it goes back to, like you're saying, believe. Find those that do believe in you and surround yourself with positive people. Get rid of the negative people in your life. Mm-hmm. Or at least keep it within if you have to continue to deal with them, keep it within a certain amount of boundaries. Boundaries are very important in any relationship. Very much so. And getting back to the uh, families, we expect our family members, our parents, our siblings, our extended family members to be supportive. Sometimes mm-hmm. they are. Sometimes they may not be. And mm-hmm. you don't get to choose your family necessarily, but you do get to choose how much mm-hmm. time you spend with them. And at the end of the day, you are the one that has to live your yes. life. And you have to be the one to decide where you're going mm-hmm. and to get rid of the naysayers or like Taylor Swift said, a hater's going to hate, 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 <laughs> yes, hate, gonna hate, 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 that's true. <laughs> and, and you're a songwriter too. Tell us about some of the songs you've written. <laughs> the songs that I have written are based on what's going on in the world today. I have this song out entitled Stop the Violence. And when it starts off, you just hear the guns just blazing. And this song was written in, back in the 90s. And I'm looking at what's still happening today. And I said in this song, one of the the lyrics goes, many lives will continue to end this way if we don't make a change and a stand today. And this has been a while ago that I've been talking about this. During marches in the community, I can remember in Newport News, Virginia, marching from the Boys Club to the park, Lincoln Park, and it was one of the first Stop the Violence march that was put on. And we're looking at the day with so many school shootings and things that's happening the songs that I write are catered to that. What's mm-hmm. going on nowadays issues. I talk about love. I talk about children that's been abused. I talk about loving yourself and even mm-hmm. relationships where you have been hurt, how you just got to pull yourself back together and keep on going. Very much so. Resilience, yeah. bouncing mm-hmm. back from failure. Yes. Those are some things that people on the autism spectrum struggle with in particular. Mm-hmm. And I, I want to say... I'm a product of my failures more than my successes. I may look articulate and like I've totally got my life together. I still struggle, and it took me years of therapy and coaching and mentoring and even services I still receive to this day to get to where I am today. Wow, that's a blessing. Mm -hmm. 
if anybody is listening and has questions, please feel free to drop them in the chat and we can view them and answer them as they come in. But I also want to remind people a little bit about working in autism. I know autism and employment is a really big matter and I serve on the board of an organization called the Uniquely Abled Project. And the objective of the Uniquely Abled Project is to help people on the autism spectrum find and keep jobs in computer numerical control or CNC manufacturing jobs. There's a big shortage in this industry of jobs, or excuse me, people are looking, there's a, a high demand, that's what I was looking to say, a high demand for CNC workers. And people on the autism spectrum often fit the bill for being detail-oriented, being able to activate or operate computers and be able to make parts for ships, rockets, cell phones. So if you want to learn more about employing people on the autism spectrum, check out the Uniquely Abled Project. And another thing that you do, we both are members of Toastmasters, you are accredited speaker in Toastmasters, that you teach at ECADA, where you you teach the students Mm -hmm. about Toastmasters, which I think is very important, especially if you're going to be speaking in front of people. Very much so. And, you know, the number one fear we have as human beings is public speaking. We would rather die than talk in front of our peers. Mm-hmm. And I feel that by being able to master the art of public speaking, manage the fear behind it, the world can be your oyster. And mm-hmm. about three and a half years ago, I became the first Toastmasters accredited speaker with autism in the world. Right. There are only 90 of them out there. And they have mastered the art of public speaking and apply it to a particular trade or line of work. And I figure someone with autism, a social communication disorder, can master the art of public speaking, which is essentially socializing and communicating, then that could really set the tone and tell myself, my peers, the world, that it can be done. And I'm currently competing to become the next world champion of public speaking. Toastmasters puts on an international speech contest every year that builds up to the world championship of public speaking, and that's something big and exciting I'm working on. But but people, again, on and off the autism spectrum need to learn how to speak in public, and that's why I work with ECATA Training Center. It's a martial arts facility up in Santa Clarita, California, and I teach young teens about public speaking and what they need to know to articulate how they feel, what they want, and the change they're seeking in their lives. And the reason why that is important because we are talking about relationships. And remember, relationships is just not about a man and woman or people that's dating each other or people being partners. It's also a relationship that you have at work, relationship that you have with other people. So being able to articulate what you have to say makes a whole lot of difference. Very much so. And, mm-hmm. and you may notice that Rosetta and I don't have too many filler words, and I hope we don't, I don't jinx it here by mentioning <laughs> it, but those filler words like uh, um, er, so, like, kinda, you know. Toastmasters has an awe counter. Someone to keep track or tally those filler words every meeting and they report on how many filler words they heard and from whom. So with our meetings, and we're starting to be more aware of those verbalized pauses and taking a breath or taking a moment to exactly. compose our thoughts. You'd be amazed how silence or the power of the pause can come out in speeches to create suspense. So even if you have to pause or do something to catch your breath. And this is good for people on the spectrum and off the spectrum because, once again, we're talking about being able to be successful in relationships, be successful in love and in marriage. And Mm -hmm. when you think about all of that, all these different tools that we're presenting to you is going to be very helpful in you being successful in all three of those. Indeed. 
And notice that we're saying that people on and off the autism spectrum, we tend to live in a society or like where people are in their own bubbles, their own cocoons, their own tribes. We believe that by transcending these communities, these boundaries, these cliques, if you will, by coming together, see how we can all help each other out, that that's going to create a better world for all, to really synergize, see what we all have to offer instead of it being us versus them. Yes, that's correct. And that brings me to another topic, something that Rosetta and I are passionate about and that I work with from personal experience, about autism and law enforcement interactions. I'm actually going to be speaking about this at an international conference in Dubai later this month, and I have a history of working with the Los Angeles Police Department Mental Evaluation Unit through the Autism Society of Los Angeles. I speak about autism to police officers and how it appears in their interactions with the public. And we've also heard a lot in the news about people of color having unpleasant interactions with the police. So when you've got autism and someone of color in the mix, that's even more risk and how that interaction could go down. Would you like to speak yes, on your exactly. experience? Yes, exactly. That is true. Especially when we look at the, the climate that we're in now, we're talking about people of color, we're talking about people with disability. And when I'm saying people of color don't have to be black, it can be anyone of color or any minority could, that could suffer any type of discrimination or m- maybe just be mistreated just because of how they look. And that's the thing we want to help educate people on, that they will be alert and ready at those times. So we have developed a program, a course, that we both um, oversee, and you can get it in a workshop or a webinar that we offer. And it helps people to deal with law enforcement and how to prepare your children on the spectrum and children of minority how to interact with law enforcement. Indeed. And, and that's, the, I think, the missing piece of the equation, if you will. We're quick to say in society, train the police. The police need to know this. Why didn't they know that? But we're interested in looking at the other side of the equation. What do the young people need to know? Again, on or off the autism spectrum. What do the young people need to know about interacting with the police that is not being taught or not being retained, more importantly, not being retained for when that interaction comes? And yes, when that interaction comes. You may think your child is totally safe. You may think the police will know what to do. But I'm here to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we are leaving safety to chance. We may say safety first, But the truth is, I think we are leaving safety to chance when it comes to police and our young people. And think about what your young person might do that the police are going to find suspect running. They want to get away from someone they don't know. The police see that. They think that person's guilty. They're going to chase them and ultimately take them down. Fighting. like Young people with autism or even older people with autism might not want to be touched or have those sensory sensitivities. But the police have to touch people to do their job and we need to be mindful of that. Boundaries, personal space, these abstract concepts, how young people and old people on the autism spectrum might want to touch the badge or pet the canine dogs, or this actually happened at a Special Olympics event, put their hand on the policeman's gun. Ooh. That actually happened at a Special Olympics event. A young woman put her hand on a police officer's gun, he froze, and he remembered where he was at that moment and brushed the hand away. But imagine if he had hit her. That wouldn't have been pleasant either. So teaching, keep your hands to yourself. And finally, keeping your hands out of your pockets, yes, bags that's a big one. or purse. That is a big one too. 
because particularly when it comes to something called theory of mind, in which people on the autism spectrum think that officer knows I'm reaching for my ID, but the officer will think they're reaching for a weapon, a gun, and they will tase, maybe even shoot that person if the officer feels they are in danger. So we need to teach the police and the young people about each other so that interactions will go smoother. And that's what ready and alert, what Rosetta and I call Rosetta, ready and alert. Exactly. And you've been doing a great job with LAPD when you go and train and teach them. I think that's awesome. And I would like to see that happen in more states and more mm-hmm. counties. And that would be awesome. Yeah. It, Especially it, it, we need it. It is yeah. really very much needed. And, and I think George Floyd and so many other incidents around mm-hmm. the country have brought this matter to light. It was already there to begin with, but it's been yeah. really accentuated and brought up more with news media coverage and people filming these interactions. Yeah. So yeah. this is another thing to really take into account. And with the autism community, you might have someone who has come a long way. They finally are finding love and romance. They're finally moving on mom and dad's. Yes. They're finally getting a job and holding that job. What if I told you that all of that could be undone with one poor encounter with the police? True. If they get arrested, that's going to be on their record, and that might jeopardize their ability to find or keep a job, and so, and so much more that we're not really thinking about until it's too late. So we need to be more proactive in showing our young people and police officers yes. what needs to be known in those types of interactions. That's true. Let's pivot to love. Let's. All right. Love. Yeah, I know we went on a little bit yeah, of a, a so, dark bit well, well, there. We but had to, We had to do that because it's kinda. all important in learning. <laughs> when you think about love, and I know your mom and dad um, love you a lot, and they have done a whole lot to make sure that you grow up to be a successful man that you are. And when we talk about love and children that's on the spectrum as they get older, some parents love so tight that they can't let go and they keep the child from growing. Mm -hmm. Very much so. I think when it comes to helicopter parents, I think some people out in the community may have heard that term. And even someone I was uh, talking with about becoming a potential coaching client, uh, tiger parents. So helicopter parents first. They're the ones that kind of hover over. They look at where their child might mess up or make a mistake or do something Mm -hmm. wrong, maybe even swoop in to attempt to fix it or stop it from happening. But I've found that by being able to see what I can do, and yes, my parents play kind of like a behind the scenes or a little Mm -hmm. bit of an oversight, but they've also let me live my life, let me see what I can do, what I am capable of, and see where I can learn from my mistakes. That has actually made a huge difference in my growth and seeing my own personal power and fulfilling, or being on the road at least, to fulfilling my potential. But for those parents that want to be the savers, the superheroes, the person that protects their child from harm or anything bad happening at all costs, that that could be more hurtful than helpful. So something to think about for parents that might be having too tight a grip on their child's lives, particularly as they get into adulthood. And getting into adulthood, talking about that, and we are talking about love, how do you think some parents, and I guess we both kind of pivoting off each other on mm-hmm. this, 
deal with their child. They're used to their child just being their child and, and being there, and they always protect them because they're on the spectrum mm-hmm. and they want, want to make sure that nothing goes wrong. Them dealing with them, finding someone that actually loves them. Right. Do you think it's hard for some parents to let go and let that child actually be in love? Uh, very much so. And then this could go two ways. One, the, the parent has developed a role like they're their child's first line of defense, like their ally. They're going to be with them until one of them dies. And mm-hmm. the thought of them actually separating from their child is so daunting. Or they're like, oh, my child has left the nest. What now? I, or that idea of they have to discover something else for themselves, that's number one. Mm-hmm. Number two, there's the young person. At what point does the young person say, Mom, Dad, you need to let me live my life? Yeah, I and mean, I, yeah, and I can understand the because I'm, I'm a parent, so mm-hmm. I do understand. I want to make sure that nobody is doing anything to harm my daughter or to ever hurt her. So I'm going to be protective to make sure she's in a healthy relationship. So I understand parents that want to protect their child and want to make sure that nothing is going wrong. But let's say you know this child's in love and the person loves the child too. Are you able to let go? Are you able to not hover so close? Are you able not to be so much of a tiger parent? If I'm talking to you, give that child a chance to fall in love. They're going to make mistakes. Come on, we all fell in love, maybe with the wrong person, but we learn from that. So I think that even being on the spectrum, you should have that opportunity to fall in love. And if someone comes along that wants to be in your life, I think that child should have that right to experiment and go down that path and see where it goes. Absolutely. And and parents, let's face it, you're not going to be around forever. And when I'm saying child, I'm talking about young adults. Uh, yes, not, yes. Not little kids. Uh, and I'm making, I'm making sure to differentiate them too <laughs> yes. because, yes, these children, yeah. they, do, they do grow up. And over, yes. f- over 50,000 people with autism will, will turn 18 this year because, alone. Because, you know, when you're a parent, it doesn't matter if your child is 50 years right. old. still your child. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Just want to clarify that. <laughs> Good one. So I also wanted to touch on uh, tiger parenting as well. The parents that want to... Have a, a, want their kid to have a good life and might really invest their time, their efforts, their energy, mm-hmm. their money into the kid succeeding. And sometimes the kid might feel the pressure to impress the parents. And mm-hmm. when the kid fails, it's like, do mom and dad still love me? Am I still a good person? Because I, I know there were times I felt that way. Like if I was not doing well and I thought my parents' love was at stake yeah. or that something was not right because I wasn't owning up or measuring up to their standards. So I think finding a happy medium, a good balance between being too supervisory or micromanaging and then being too tough on your kids, finding a happy medium to where they can live their lives, where you have some say, but not all say, because for the parents and caregivers out there, you may love your child, you may want what's best for them, but you cannot live their life for them. They have to be the ones to do that. Yes. That is absolutely true. Mm-hmm. And looking at some of the messages that come in, looks like, a, pardon my butchering of the name here if I do, y- Yama Lemus Sanchez says, it's fantastic. Have your perspective. Listen to your experience. Thank you so much. We appreciate your comment, yes. Yama. And we welcome any other comments or questions you may have out there in your respective chat or comments. This is out on YouTube, Facebook, mm-hmm. and uh, Twitch, I believe, is the other one. Yes. I think this is on Twitch, mm-hmm. yes. 
Instagram? Instagram, yes. Instagram as well. You can find Autism Live out there, too. Yes. And that's the good thing about it. Uh, yesterday, we was watching the show, and different people had their perspectives on what they were talking about, different topics. So be sure to go back and look at everything, because you're going to learn something from each guest that has been on the show. I want to briefly talk about relationships. Mm-hmm. And in talking about relationships, it's important that people know what you're getting into. And sometimes you get into a relationship, if you move too fast with it, you think that you're in love with the person because you took the relationship to a physical form first. Mm-hmm. We want to talk about, right now, some steps that you can take and to get into know one another better in relationship before you just dive right into it. Certainly. So do you want to rotate one with the seven so, steps closer? Certainly. So, so part of getting to know someone, getting to see what you have in common and understand who they are as a person. The basic things we ask as we progress through conversations or get to know somebody, like, what's your favorite food, for Mm -hmm. example? What's your favorite food? Knowing, let's say you know how to cook, or you're thinking of somebody, and like if they like burgers, they say, or I just heard of this new burger place. You want to go check out the new burger place. So thinking of your partner, your spouse, your significant others' favorite foods and having that come into your relationship. That's something to show your love for one another. Yeah, and also your favorite music. Music set the tone. Music can make you feel happy or it can make you feel sad. So you want to make sure that when you're selecting the kind of music for your relationship, this is a new person in your life, that you, you pick something that they really enjoy. Even though you might not like the same kind of music, that's worth a topic. And also, what is your favorite color? Color also sets the tone and the mood True. of things. And my favorite color is green. I would be wearing it, but we've got green screens behind us, so I don't want anything <laughs> of mine to disappear. Yes. And Rosetta's wearing her royal blue crown. That's her favorite color. Yes, it is. Royal blue. Uh-huh. How fitting for a queen. Royal oh, blue. Thank you. <laughs> yes. And talk about your hobbies. That'll be number four. Um, five, what you have in common. And even thinking about some of the friendships you've had for the longest time, there are two elements to friendships that keep them going. One, you have fun together. Two, you have something in common that -hmm. sustains your friendship throughout the years. Even if you may part ways, you can come right back years later and still have that common interest to talk about and keep your friendship flourishing. Exactly. And on our seven steps closer, that's what we call it, and it's another course that we have, and it's about building strong relationships when the odds are against you. It's number six, is I get upset when, and that's a blank line right there, for each person to fill in for themselves. And it's important that you give your partner, you're getting to know the person that you're involved with, that you get them a time to fill that in. Get them plenty of time to fill it in. And let them say how they really feel. I get upset when? Because I don't know what makes you upset. I don't know what makes Tom upset until he told Mm -hmm. me. He doesn't know what makes me upset until I let him know. And when you find out what it is, set the boundaries and respect those boundaries. Absolutely. Because the more we keep stuff balled up or the more we don't talk about what's really on our mind and in our hearts, that jeopardizes relationships Mm -hmm. and people on the autism spectrum and again off the autism spectrum really need to be open about these particular items in order to be clear 
communicate effectively, and allow the relationship to keep going. Because if you keep triggering your partner, if you keep upsetting mm -hmm. them without having boundaries or being able to say what really needs to be said, that puts the relationship on ice, or on thin ice, I should yes, say. Yes, it does. And number seven is goals. It's very important that you talk about your goals in life, what you want to accomplish in the future, your dreams, what you envision for yourself, that you both talk about it. And see if it aligns with one another. And if it aligns with one another, what can you do to help your partner's dream or vision come to pass? This could be a deal breaker right here. For example, for many years when I have dated in the past, I've been in ministry for a long time. And I have dated a person that said, after all the time of dating, you know what, if you're going to be preaching in churches, I can't, I can't see myself with you. If we were married, I'd divorce you. So I'm thinking, oh, my God. This could have been discussed a long time ago. So with that being said, make sure the person is okay with you. You better believe it. The first mm -hmm. thing I said to Tom, we started talking about being a serious couple, is how do you feel about me being in ministry? And are you aware I am an ordained minister? I am an evangelist. And from time to time, I do go or travel around the world. Whatever country invites me to come out and preach, I am going. Are you okay with that? And I said yes. <laughs> Granted, I would love to travel the world and be able to share in these experiences with Rosetta, but, but seeing that she has something to offer the world is utilizing her gifts and making the world a better place for it. That's something I very much support, mm -hmm. and I'm definitely interested in yeah. seeing where that takes us. And that's very important. It could be maybe you like animals. Maybe you have a... a a love for having a beautiful garden, whatever that might be. It's very important that you discuss with to your partner or to your person that possibly could be in, in your life forever to let them know what you like and what you want because what is the point of being with someone if you can't check these different things off of this list and it's not compatible, why would you wait years, years, years down the road to say, hey, we're, going, we're just going to different places. We're going to different directions. These are things you can do right in the beginning of relationship. Don't move it into it too fast, but just start off with the easy questions first and then the more difficult one a little in the relationship. And just to make sure you both are gonna be compatible, for a future. Definitely. And we call this gang uh, emotionally naked, mm -hmm. where you let your guard down. You talk about what you really want in life, where you see your life going. And tying back to relationships and speaking on my experience from the sex ed classes that I teach, we live in a society where it seems like we're really about instant gratification, like we're looking to get physically intimate with somebody. But really what relationships, marriages boil down to is about being emotionally intimate, being able to share your feelings, your fears, your core true self. And that goes beyond the outside, how somebody looks or how they are in bed. It's about being able to trust someone, give them the real you. And it makes me think about your book that you're now working on entitled, My Glass is Full. And for those who might be interested in that. My Glass is Full is about putting mental health first. That's a book that Rosetta and I are writing together. And it, the title is based off a saying that my family and I created to have me say or indicate when I'm feeling overwhelmed or I've had enough. So taking myself back to about when I was maybe 12 years old, it was really, really hot out and we're pouring glasses of water and 
up to that point, I'd had instances or situations where I just wanted to stop talking or I wanted other people to stop talking. So as we're pouring this water, we came up with the idea of saying, anytime you feel overwhelmed or you want to stop talking, say, the glass is full. And that I still use to this day with my family if they continue to say stuff or I'm feeling like I can't take anymore, you need to back up and shut up, please saying my glass is full or the glass is full is a more polite way to say back up and shut up. Exactly. And and I think more people in the autism community and again also outside the autism community need to come up with some kind of code word or some kind of sign or indication to where we need to stop. We need to take a break. I've had enough. You keep pouring into my glass or my cup or what have you. It's going to overflow, make a mess, and I'm not going to retain the information you are putting out there. So at some point, we all have to figure out our limits to when we've had enough and say, the glass is full. Yeah. And also your book talks about, without giving, talking about too much of the book, but just to let you all know, it talks about dealing with toxic people, people that is referred to. And one of the chapters is energy vampires. Yes, energy vampires. Yeah. So if you really want to <laughs> put your mental health first, and know how to do when you're dealing with different people and different facets of different relationships, My Glass is Full will be a good book to check into. We mm-hmm. also have another book coming out that we both work on together, and it's about love, marriage, and relationships. Mm-hmm. And it's entitled, They Said We Couldn't, So We Did. They said we couldn't, so we did, because yes. the odds seem to be against relationships where there's someone with autism, where it's uh, different races, different backgrounds, different upbringings. But we are looking to be that power couple and show society, the world, that it is possible to have relationships between people of different backgrounds, diagnosis or no diagnosis, race, skin color, you name it. It is Mm -hmm. possible to have successful, fruitful, productive relationships. Right. And we talk about also some of the red flags in relationships. And we also, in this book, and we're going to talk about it with you all a little bit now, is that you do have to keep in mind that when you have a person that's in your life that is on the spectrum, and things I have learned is certain things you don't do. For one thing, don't be sarcastic. I I can't say to Tom, oh, you know what? I'm done with you. And then he walks out the door. I'm like, well, why do you walk out the door? Well, because I said I'm done with you. You can't be sarcastic with a person that's on the spectrum and expect them to say, okay, well, I knew it. No, they don't know it. So that's a big no-no, and I've learned that from you, is don't do that. And, and, and let me say, I have not been in a relationship with anyone who is really taking the time to see how autism appears in relationships and is also going the extra mile to look at herself and see what she is doing that could be hurting us. Mm-hmm. So, by And the people with autism out there, are the allies, the parents and all of them know, your young people take people liter- things literally, don't they? Yes. Like, hit the road. They'll start pounding the pavement if, they, mm-hmm. if that's what they heard. So when somebody says, I'm done or I'm walking out, or it, it appears on its face that they indeed are done, inside they may not be. Right. Or they may be looking for the, the person to go after them or fight for the relationship. But right. that doesn't always happen for people with autism. They take it at face. You, you said we're done. I'm moving on. 
But that's not really what the other person was thinking or feeling. So that disconnect, (laughs) that inconsistency, the confusion, the misconceptions, that can lead to relationships breaking down instead of building up. Right. So don't don't do that. And I'm very careful in letting Tom know that I love him. I love him unconditional. We we every you know every day. Yes. We make sure we say to each other good morning. Mm-hmm. We make sure we have that connection. Because another thing too, you don't want to go days and days without talking to one another because that's going to lead to misunderstanding. Because I don't know what you're thinking if we're not talking. It's going to lead to a breakdown, a quick breakdown in relationship. And it only is going to cause that wedge to get bigger and bigger and bigger when you don't take the time to communicate. So when there's something on your mind, don't hold it inside. Talk about it. And if, and if it's said the wrong way, that's another thing too, Tom, that we talked about that sometimes with a person on the spectrum, it can come out the wrong way, the, the way it's worded. Mm-hmm. Anybody yeah. ever had that happen? That, that came out wrong or something was said, but it was out of context or in the wrong place or in the wrong way. T- tone of voice, how you say something. Yeah. yeah. So, mu- so much room for misinterpretation, miscommunication. That often comes up when you're dealing with people with autism, but it also ha- comes up a lot in marriages, relationships in general, we're finding. Yeah. Yeah, so the point we're making is not to throw the blame at anyone. And it's not about being on the spectrum or off the spectrum. Relationships can be difficult, and they're going to take hard work. So you have to be willing to put the work in it, and you have to be willing to cooperate with one another and to compromise sometimes. Mm -hmm. Everything is not going to always go your way. But if you compromise, sometimes he might get his way, sometimes I get my way. But most of the time, and I say we get along really great. Mm -hmm. We do. We get along great. And I'm seeing the importance of it not always being about me because those in the autism community know it tends to revolve around the kid or the the young adult or the one person, whatever you might want to call it. But part of being in a relationship is seeing how you can help the other person or kind of get out of your own way or your own head in the interest of having the relationship move forward. So taking another person's perspective, attempting, at the very least attempting, to see what they have to say and find what common ground you can have and mm-hmm. talk things out so you can come to some kind of agreement or understanding instead of it being my way or the highway. Yeah, because at the end of the day, when you think about it, we are all in this together. It's mm-hmm. nobody better than anyone. It's no one on a higher level, lower level. All of that is ridiculous. We are all human beings, and we want the same thing. We want to be loved. We want to feel love, and we want to know that love is there. So if you practice with that, lead with that. Loving unconditional. You're going to be fine in your love life. You're going to be mm-hmm. fine in relationships, and you're going to be fine in marriage. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you, right. Okay. Go ahead. And and you touched on a big one. I think uh, we're starting to wrap up here with about five minutes left. But yeah. unconditional love. I think that's what it really boils down to: accepting someone for who they are, not looking to change them, but being accepting and loving of them for them. Because I think too many people get into relationships, think that the person will grow up or grow out of what they're doing or be different or change down the road. You are getting what you are getting usually when you begin. And there's a famous quote out there, when people show you who they are, believe them. I think it was Maya Angelou who said that one. But the point is, is that we need to be accepting and have that unconditional love And that's really something that I think set the tone for my life. When my parents told me after my diagnosis that 
they would love me no matter what. And here's why that mattered to me, because I couldn't accept my diagnosis until I knew my parents had. And I think too many families out there are divided or on eggshells, pins and needles, or some kids, some young, particularly young ones, and they do grow up to become adults, Mm -hmm. may not feel like they have their parents' unconditional love. And that is causing them to be depressed, rejected, hopeless, because they don't even have their parents' unconditional love. So parents, caregivers, you need to assure your children that you love them for who they are and not seek so much to change them because they will sense if you're looking to change them, like they're not all right the way they are. And that's going to cause an even bigger uphill battle for you, your family, and everyone else attempting to help your child. So please love your children, be they young or old, unconditionally for who they are and that will take their life to a whole new level. That's right. And remember, it's always important to encourage people to get to the next level in their life because it's always something you can do next. It might not be what you want, but it's what that person wants. And anything Mm -hmm. you can do to encourage them to go higher and to be a better them, let's do it. Let's work together as a community to make Mm -hmm. sure that happens. And make sure your young person is, is living the life that they want. Again, you may want what's best for them or you have an idea about how their life is going to turn out or how that you want it to turn out, but is that what the, the young person really wants? Are they looking to please you? Are they looking to do what they really want to do? That's something that really needs to be discussed amongst families. What does the young person really want for themselves? And are your actions aligning with their goals, their dreams, their ideals? That is what's really needed most, a conversation that needs to be had. I know it's a difficult one to have, but I believe that sometimes the most difficult conversations are the most necessary. Yeah. And the last thing I want to point out in relationships, if you're coming together in a relationship, let's say you have, pre- you have children from a previous marriage or a previous relationship, it's very important that you give the child a chance to adjust to the changes. Because coming together with a new person in your life, there are going to be some type of changes. So try to make sure the child can keep their routine as much as possible. It may change a little bit, but it's very important to give it time and to talk about it and allow the child to talk about the new changes that they have to deal with as well. And this is on the spectrum and off the spectrum. Mm -hmm. That's very important in in marriages coming together. Very much so. And we have Johnny Batista Manning saying about us there, wonderful life is amazing. Thank you for that, Johnny. And May Teb says, hello, I really enjoyed this hour. My daughter is too young for a boyfriend, but someday hopefully she finds this special someone. And I wish you and your daughter the best, May. I hope she does find love and someone that cares for her just as much as you do. Exactly. (laughs) Well, that's our time for today. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And special thanks to Shannon Penrod and Autism Live for having me and my fiance, Rosetta Walker, the queen of inspiration on today to talk about love, marriage, and relationships. This is Thomas Island reminding you that life doesn't come to you. It's up to you to come to life. Visit my website, cometolifecoaching.com to order this book in English or Spanish or to schedule a session, a coaching session with me or bring me in to speak at your organization. And Rosetta has her Mission Unstoppable book available on Amazon. And you have a website as well? Yes, rosettawalker.com. Thank you and goodbye, y'all. Thank you. <laughs>